This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 30th of April. In your Squiz today, Tassie votes. The threat of terrorism in Australia. Biden lays out his priorities. And testing your news knowledge. This is your Squiz today. Tomorrow, Kate, some 390,000 odd Tasmanian voters are headed to the polls. The way things are done in Tassie is, politically speaking, a little quirky. They use a very different system to the other states, and it's called Hair Clark. And we could get into the ins and outs of how that works, but it's Friday, Simone. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not the Squizzes resident political nerd. That mantle belongs to Claire. But basically, <laughs> it means that it's near on impossible for a whitewash to occur. So it's usually pretty close. That brings me to the state of play. This election is a year earlier than it needs to be. And that's because in March, due to the resignation of a Liberal member of Parliament, the government became a minority government. The man leading the Liberal Party is Peter Gutwin. He's never won an election as leader. He only took the job when former Premier Will Hodgman left politics early last year. Yeah, he's also a black belt in Taekwondo. Not sure if that will make a difference, Kate. (laughs) If the Liberal Party do win, though, it'll be for a third time in a row, the most on the trot by the Liberal Party ever. And no small feat given Tasmania has traditionally been a Labor voting state. That brings me to the Labor Party. Their head honcho is a 38-year-old Rebecca White. They go in with nine seats and will be looking to get to that magic number of 13 to take the win. As for their chances, there hasn't really been much polling, but those in the know, Simone, say it's slim but not impossible. Both sides are angling for a majority, though, each ruling out doing any deals with the Greens or others to form a minority government. So if it is close, it could get interesting. Yeah, it definitely could, Kate. And it's one to savour because it's the last major election in Australia this year. Unless, of course, the Prime Minister decides to go early. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Yesterday, our top intelligence chief, Mike Burgess, spoke at a parliamentary inquiry into extremist movements and radicalism in Australia, Kate. And what he said was that while Islamic extremist groups remain the main threat, the growth in right wing extremism is also a cause for concern. And that's not necessarily a new thing. Early last year, they flagged similar concerns. What we now know, though, is that right-wing extremism has grown from 16% to 40% of the agency's onshore terror-related workload over the past three years. Interesting also, Simone, that Burgess told the committee that ASIO will now use the umbrella terms of religiously motivated violent extremism and ideologically motivated violent extremism to describe those seeking to do harm, rather than Islamic and right-wing wing extremism. Yeah, it's not a ban on the terms, but Burgess said the agency has found that assigning political spectrums isn't helpful. He also said that the risk of a terrorist attack in Australia sometime in the next year remains probable. Overnight, China's top diplomat in Australia warned Chinese students and tourists will question whether to return to Australia after the coronavirus pandemic. He said racial discrimination against Chinese in Australia is a deterrent. And this all plays into ongoing disputes between China and Australia over things like our Prime Minister calling for a proper inquiry into how the coronavirus started. Also, the recent decision by the federal government to cancel that Belt and Road Infrastructure Project in Victoria, as well as general rhetoric aimed at China about threats in the region. For context, Simone, pre-pandemic, China was our largest tourist market, accounting for 27% of total tourism spending. And there's also worry, as you mentioned, of whether Chinese students will return to 
study here. Yeah, and these comments overnight come after figures released by Wine Australia this week show wine exports to China, once worth more than a billion dollars a year, have almost been wiped out by tariffs imposed by Beijing late last year. US President Joe Biden gave his first speech to Congress yesterday, Kate, and it marks 100 days in office. It's where the president outlines his plans. It is. It's where the president is able to sort of talk about their priorities outside of COVID-19 and getting Americans vaccinated. What Biden focused on was universal preschool, free community college, expanded health care and tax breaks for families. As for how he'll pay for all of that, Simone, well, higher taxes on the wealthy seems to be the way he'll do it. He also revisited previous calls for changes to immigration, changes to gun control, police reform, and then he reiterated his commitment to a US $2 trillion infrastructure plan that he unveiled in March. That's designed to create jobs and accelerate the fight against climate change. Yeah, the speech was on the lengthy side to cover all of that ground. It clocked almost 65 minutes and was the longest first address in recent memory. Politics heavy today, Kate. So let's look at another kind of rivalry, and that's the one between our retailers, Woolies and Coles. Yeah, the numbers on how we shopped in the January to March quarter of this year are in, and the panic buying adrenaline rush of 2020 for shoppers and retailers was not a feature. Woolies sales fell 2.1% in the quarter when compared to the same period last year. Coles sales fell 0.8% on the same measure. Woolies boss Brad Benducci said he wasn't too worried, Simone, saying he welcomed some normalised shopping, a hint probably at not wanting to go back to the time of empty toilet paper shelves. We can all remember that. (laughs) As for the rivalry, well, he also said a return to offices this year would likely benefit his rival Coles because they have more inner city and shopping centre situated stores. So he was playing it pretty cool. Yeah, and he shook off the result, but it seems investors were less forgiving, Kate. Woolworths share price was down 3.8% yesterday. Suncorp Super Netball starts this weekend, Kate, and I'm leaving this one all to you. Yeah, it won't be a surprise for regular listeners that I don't (laughs) mind a bit of netball, playing it, watching it. So I'm really pumped for the start of the season this weekend. If you're not as hardcore as me, that's completely normal. Here's the talking points. First game is a grand final rematch, Simone. The Melbourne Vixens taking on the West Coast Fever. The super shot is staying after it was trialled last season. So that's where in the final five minutes of every quarter, any shot in the super shot zone is worth two points. A big change for netball. Rolling stubs will stay too. And one that was ditched last year due to COVID changes will return. And that is if two teams are tied at the end of regular playing time, extra time will be called. That means more netball. Love it. The first match of the season will be played in Melbourne on Saturday. And I know what you'll be doing this Saturday afternoon, Kate. Yeah, three (laughs) o'clock. Squeeze the day. There are quite a few. Yeah, there's a bit happening at the moment. National Cabinet meets today. So expect plenty of talk about that. It's the anniversary of the World Wide Web Simone being launched in the public domain. That happened in 1989. What a change it brought to our lives. It's also the day the first president of the US, George Washington, was inaugurated. That happened in 1789. And tomorrow, of course, Kate, is the Tassie election, like we said. It's also Greek Easter this Sunday. So in your episode notes is a link to a traditional Greek recipe for buttery gulodakia. You brought some of that into the office this week, Simone, right? I did. I did. It was delicious. Highly recommend. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. And before we go, each Friday we put out a 10-question quiz about the news of the week. For a bit of a taste, here's a teaser question, Kate. This week, Apple released its latest update for the iPhone and iPad. Why did it receive a lot of attention? 
do you want me to answer it or should we leave it for people? Should it be a mystery, Simone? I reckon we leave it to the people. Okay. The quiz is up on our website, thesquiz.com.au, and we'll pop a link in your episode notes. That's another week down. We'll be back on Monday. We talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online, kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more, and get a great discount, visit nordvpn.com forward slash squiz today.